Hello, this is the Sri Lankan News Podcast. Every day I bring you news headlines from Sri Lanka. If you would like to stay updated about the daily news, politics and international relations of Sri Lanka, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Hello and welcome to the Sri Lankan News Podcast. Today is Wednesday, the 2nd of June 2021. Daily FT reports that President Gotabaya Rajapaksa has instructed principal advisor and the head of presidential task force for national deployment and vaccination plan for COVID-19, Lalit Veerathunga, to expedite the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine procurement process. Close to 600,000 persons are due to receive the second dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. They have received the first dose of the vaccine between 29th of January and the 22nd of April. It has been reported that the instructions have been given to secure sufficient doses at any price. Meanwhile, the Daily News reports that preliminary discussions have been held in Colombo for the setting up of a plant to manufacture the Chinese Sinovac COVID vaccine in Sri Lanka. Justice Minister Ali Sabri has told the Daily News that the initial discussions were held at his ministry to plan out the legal framework needed for the establishment of a manufacturing plant in Sri Lanka. The focus of the discussions has been on the legal status of vaccination in Sri Lanka and the production of vaccines in the country. It has been decided that the production of the vaccines is the best solution to end the control of the pandemic and also because there is a huge demand in the world for such vaccines on a daily basis. The Daily Mirror reports that following heated debates and discussions on whether people should receive a single dose or both doses of the Sputnik V vaccine, a team at the Sri Jayawardenepura University has commenced research on the Russian vaccine's efficacy. Dr. Chandima Jeevandara, the director at Allergy, Immunology and Cell Biology Unit of the university said that they have extended their research to investigate the immune responses in individuals who received the COVID-19 vaccines. The team would get blood samples from people as a baseline prior to vaccination. He further highlighted that at present there is no data to support that a single dose of Sputnik V vaccine would give complete protection. However, the manufacturers have announced that the one dose version of the vaccine called Sputnik Lite is authorized for emergency use and provides an efficacy of 79.4%. Ceylon Today reports that the government issued two contradictory statements yesterday in response to questions about whether China's Sinopharm vaccine was sold at a higher price to Sri Lanka than to Bangladesh. Cabinet spokesman Kehli Rambukwala, speaking at the weekly cabinet media briefing, said if such a scam had occurred, the procurement procedure should be investigated. Meanwhile, Udaya Gammanpilla, another cabinet spokesman, remarked at the same media briefing that the government cannot make any pronouncements on the vaccine sales and prices and that the Chinese government should respond to those concerns. The World Health Organization has approved a COVID vaccine made by drug maker Sinovac Biotech for emergency use listing, paving the way for a second Chinese shot to be used in low-income countries. A WHO emergency listing is a signal to national regulators on a product's safety and efficacy. It will also allow the shot to be included in COVAX, 
the global program to provide vaccines mainly for low-income countries, which face supply issues due to an Indian export suspension. The Daily Mirror reports that according to the Navy, the fire on board MV Express Pearl off the Sri Lankan coast was finally extinguished Tuesday after a 13-day international operation. The Daily FT reports that the President Gotabaya Rajapaksa has directed the Marine Environment Protection Authority to tow the fire-stricken MV Express Pearl container ship into the deep seas off the coast of Colombo to minimize possible damage to the marine environment. The president's media division has said in a statement that the directive was given at a special meeting held at the presidential secretariat last evening under the patronage of President Gotabaya Rajapaksa. Meanwhile, the FT also reports that the Colombo Magistrates Court has yesterday issued an order preventing the captain, the chief engineer, and deputy engineer of the fire-struck container vessel from leaving Sri Lanka. The Daily Mirror reports that according to the Navy, the fire on board MV Express Pearl off Sri Lankan coast was finally extinguished Tuesday after a 13-day international operation. The Daily FT reports that President Gotabaya Rajapaksa has directed the Marine Environment Protection Authority to tow the ship into the deep seas off the coast of Colombo to minimize possible damage to the marine environment. The President's Media Division has said in a statement that the directive was given at a special meeting held at the Presidential Secretariat last evening under the patronage of President Gotabaya Rajapaksa. Meanwhile, the FT also reports that the Colombo Magistrates Court has yesterday issued an order preventing the captain, the chief engineer and deputy engineer of the vessel from leaving the island. The Daily FT reports that the central bank has brought back the rule of mandatory conversion of 10% of workers' remittances to rupees by banks on a weekly basis. The fresh directive to banks was issued last week. Previously, via a directive on 17th of March, the central bank suspended the mandatory conversion for worker remittances until further notice. The original move to make 10% conversion mandatory was made in January this year on a quarterly basis. Workers' remittances inflow has been robust so far this year. In the first four months of 2021, workers' remittances amounted to $2.38 billion, up 21% from the corresponding period of last year. The Daily FT also reports that after a 10-day restriction on inbound travellers, Sri Lanka yesterday welcomed 19 tourists from 8 passenger flights. With the lifting of the temporary ban on inbound passengers to the country, a total of 567 people arrived yesterday. 52 crew members and 120 transit passengers have also arrived yesterday. However, all tourists must engage in a 14-day mandatory quarantine. Restrictions are still maintained on passengers who have a travel history to Vietnam and India in the recent past. The Daily FT also reports that the Cabinet this week approved a proposal to establish a vessel monitoring system. The project will be funded through an Australian grant funding and will be operated in line with local and international legal requirements. The statement issued by the Government Information Department stated that, in terms of the Accord Proposal 15-3 of Indian Ocean's Tuna Commission, it is essential that the location of multi-day fishing vessels in the ocean be identified. 
It also stipulated that search and rescue operations during disasters be implemented and a vessel observation system be established to control illegal and informal fisheries activities carried out across naval routes utilizing multi-day fishing vessels. The Daily Mirror reports that multiple properties in Colombo are to be opened up for investments under a public-private partnership model through a new company formed with cabinet approval. Selendiva Investments Limited has been formed with cabinet approval under which three clusters have been created. The Daily Mirror also reports that cabinet this week approved a proposal to shift the police headquarters from a century-old complex in Colombo Fort to a soon-to-be-constructed complex in Papiliana at a cost of 10 billion rupees. Meanwhile, the Daily News reports that the United National Party has urged the government to publicly reveal details regarding the operations of Selendiwai Investments Limited. The UNP Working Committee has raised concerns that the government is currently attempting to use the ongoing COVID-19 enforced travel restrictions in the country to engage in business ventures related to state-owned assets. At the time of Selendiwa Investments' inception in July 2020, it was tasked with the revival of three state institutions, namely the Grand Hyatt Colombo, Hotel Developers and the Grand Oriental Hotel. However, according to media reports, Selendiwa Investments will now be tasked with the ownership and diversification of a collection of state-owned lands and assets, including lands and buildings belonging to foreign ministry, the Air Force headquarters, and the Bank of Ceylon. Many of these buildings date back to the 19th century. The Daily News reports that concerns have been raised that this project is an extension of the port city which will be part of Sri Lanka owned by foreign entities. The island says retired Major General Chadi Gandage has said that the LTT had been recognized as a Tamil independence organization in spite of it still being on a list of organizations proscribed by the US. Referring to a resolution dated May 18, 2021, moved in the US House of Representatives, he has said that it accepted the traditional homeland claim and also acknowledged a merged northeastern region. He has also pointed out that the recent U.S. declaration that some sections of traditional Tamil home homeland remained so militarized 12 years after the war, with up to one soldier for every two civilians in the most war-affected regions, underscored Sri Lanka's daunting challenge in countering the high-profile propaganda. In other news, the Daily News reports that the distribution of 5,000 rupees allowance to low-income families will begin today. Around 6 to 6.5 million families will be eligible for this scheme. Daily Mirror reports that two Malvis, who have been arrested under the Prevention of Terrorism Act, have informed court through their lawyer that they are under pressure to frame human rights lawyer Hijaz Hezbollah. Attorney at law Eric Balasuria had filed a fundamental rights petition alleging that the two Malvis are being coerced to frame Hezbollah. In the petition, Balasuria said that the Malvis do not know Hezbollah, nor did they conduct any extremist teachings in the Al-Zuhariya Madrasa. 
Ceylon Today reports that the Health Trade Union Confederation, comprising over 20 trade unions in the health services, will go on a strike tomorrow, making 15 demands, including safety facilities during the battle against COVID-19 and risk allowances to all health services. The Daily Mirror reports that the government has informed all chemical fertilizer and pesticides traders to release their hidden stocks to the market. Government Information Director General Mohan Samaranayaka said that since the import of chemical fertilizer and pesticides had been banned by the government, there is no point in keeping hidden stocks. That's all in the Sri Lankan News Podcast today. If you found this podcast useful, please share it with others. If you have any comments or feedback, email us at srilankannewspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sri Lankan News Podcast. If you would like to stay updated about the daily news, politics and international relations of Sri Lanka, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Yeah.